podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to your fantasy football show. I'm your host as usual. I'm going to emphasise the word host in this one. Do not take my advice on this podcast. I am bad at this game, as I will explain. Do not. But joining me, I only have one of my regulars, and that is Jay. How are you doing, buddy? Um, Yeah, not too bad. As probably many people have experienced, this was a dire week in FPL terms. But we're here to give you some advice and not take it. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Actually, no, you're doing, you're doing well. People can listen to you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too bad. I've, I've stayed above the average line this week, which I think if you've done above average this week, you've probably had an okay week in the grand scheme of things. But uh, 37 was the average. I mean, if you've got above that, yeah, that's good. If you've got below that, then maybe you need to question yourself. <laughs> or... More depressingly, if you triple Captain Steve Cook, an absolute, just you're on a register somewhere. <laughs> That's Steve Cook's dad who done that. No one else knew this, but Steve Cook's dad. Oh god, I. At home's and knowledge, he fancied them as, as lads to get you know a clean sheet and several assists, and he got just a clean sheet, which is just as surprising as the other stuff considering it's Bournemouth <laughs> well considering those two teams were the only true. two in the league without a clean sheet it's very true it's very true and I brought Callum Wilson as well so Norwich okay. you're welcome just you added to the one. list of players you've now broke yeah I, I mean I might I might drop Salah just just to fix him in real life you get me please do <laughs> yeah who, who, does man, who do I need to break at Man City Sterling. Not, yeah, because I've got De Bruyne this week. Yeah. Please don't break Sterling for me. I already have. <laughs> don't, don't I have, don't I have De Bruyne. He seems to be immune to my powers. Well, maybe he'd have like 200 goals and assists. By mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, there's, there's like Suarez is is like hidden from me and other players as well. But uh, yes, we'll we'll get into that. Um, so I'll start with mine because I did worse out of us. And it's becoming a rather common theme. Um, I got 28 points, played my bench boost, by the way, which went fucking smashing. <laughs> got 28 points, but got a minus force on 24. Uh, <clears throat> Nick Pope, one. Alexander Arnold, two. Mings, two. Soyuncu, two. Lundstrom got a six. Thank you, Arsenal, for being awful away. Yamalenko continues to be broken, but I'm blaming the international break on that one rather than me. Um, <clears throat> De Bruyne was my captain, got three, but got me six. Mount, three. Madison, two. Aaron Connolly, that was a good buy. Got me one. Callum Wilson, two. And then zero points on my bench boost. Because nobody in the world told us Salah was injured. Nobody in the world told us Otamendi was injured. And thank you, Pep, for not playing Aguero, you penis. Even though I think he was in a car crash, so it's probably more Aguero being a penis. But anyway, yeah, fun time for me there, Jay. How did you do? Well, I thought you were going to continue that in the whole 
pools panel score guy off oh. the BBC. <laughs> that, was, that it was going so well. <laughs> um, right. Well, I did wildcard. Uh, I will go through what I actually scored with the changes I made and who I made in the second. Um, I got forty points, as I say, just above average. Uh, running through the team: Allison two, Alexander Arnold two, Montoya one, Lundstrom. Second highest point scorer with six. Thank you because you kept Arsenal's. Um, Madison two, De Bruyne three, Mount three, Mane two, Aubameyang two, Connolly one. I took your advice. I don't know why. I must have been drunk on what's wrong. Something. With you? Um, and my captain for the week, as I emphasized last week, would be uh, Vardy, and he got eight because he scored. So obviously he doubled that to sixteen, which saved my week. Um, not a lot to speak about on the bench. Jan Malenko, who you broke, stayed on the bench with one. And Eric Peters recovered from whatever he was injured with, and he got one. Um, in comparison to my previous team that I did have before the wild card, I would have only scored 35 points. So in technical terms, I've improved. But that's, you know, that's off for the base. Um, as I say, I did wild card. I made... Oh, eight changes. I'll quickly run through them if you wish. Uh, Heaton to Allison, obviously, Allison's back now, and Liverpool are better than Aston Villa to keep on goals out. We say, but we, we will get there eventually. Um, Gibson from Burnley to Lundstrom, basically, Lundstrom starts, Gibson doesn't. Uh, Van Dijk to Montoya, purely for the cash saving, and to get another Liverpool player in, aka Allison. Uh, Salah to De Bruyne because Salah's not fit and De Bruyne is. Uh, Cantwell to Mane, obviously that was the spare change I had. Pukki, who seems to have fell off a cliff, to Connolly, who has probably jumped off the cliff now that you've got him. Uh, Mares to Madison and Button to McGovern, who's just a bench goalie, but he ended up back on the bench for Norwich, so... That really isn't anything different. It was just a case of if I choose to use my bench boost in a few weeks, I would have had players playing. But he's not playing anymore, so that's void. Yeah, yeah. That I, I think McGovern, what was tempting me to play the bench boost, I didn't realise Tim Crow was back, which is uh, fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> sounds like you, you, you've at least. Um, had the one week boost with with your uh, with your wild card in long term. <clears throat> what 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 was your plan with it? Well, obviously I've gone for Allison in goal, thinking that Liverpool are going to tighten up at the back with him back in. Nothing that he was wrong with Adrian, but we weren't keeping clean sheets. Um, obviously, the weekend we would have kept the clean sheets had VAR not fucking intervened. And <laughs> well, if it had intervened, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and then. I've gone a bit heavy across the midfield, so I've got five players who probably could start in terms of Madison, De Bruyne, Mount, Mane and Yarmolenko. So obviously a bin Salah. I don't have Sterling, but those five are regular starters for their teams and they obviously play advanced roles. So me thinking is I could probably play four out of five or five if I needed to, depending on what I'm doing up top and probably score in, in figurative terms, a, a decent score each week. Um, I've obviously, at the expense of that, gone a bit light in terms of 
I've got a couple of Brighton lads in, but we've said before their fixtures are friendly, so I think I've got a couple of weeks with them. Um, my question mark is over Abamyang though, as mm. a high-end striker, which I think we're going to come on to in a second. Um, he's had a few quiet weeks over the last few weeks. Um, obviously, he didn't score last night, but two points last night, two points against Bournemouth. He got a goal against Man United, but that was it. Um, he seems to have quietened up a little bit, but I think he may kick into life with Lacazette going back into the team uh, mm. over the next few days. So they might be one just to stick and see how we go for a week or two. The other thing to add on Aubameyang, <clears throat> next, uh, well, on the site I'm using, I've got the next four fixtures in front of me and three of them are at home um, and being away to Leicester as well, <clears throat> which is obviously a very tough game, but three home games in a row, we know Arsenal's split is they're really good at home. Literally relegation fodder away from home. Um, so I'd probably keep at least Aubameyang for the first two because he got Crystal Palace at home. And um, and Wolves. Wolves at home. I mean, Crystal Palace probably might end up beating Arsenal, but it'll normally end in like five four or something like that. Um, yeah. So, Even after the less of the fixture, they've got four favourable fixtures in terms of well, Southampton at home. You should imagine they would win that. Norwich away could be six six. Brighton at home, they probably should win that. And West Ham away again could be whatever before they obviously get into December and it becomes a bit tricky. So yeah. I think it might be a case of see how he goes over the next two weeks and maybe then jump. Yeah. If he blanks them too, I'd probably jump off that bus, you know. Yeah, but then it's a, an issue that's, well, this week alone, the the big strikers mm. were non-existence. They, uh, across the league, there was only six what you would call the strikers who people might have who scored, such as Vardy, Wood, Jimenez, Ings, Jesus and Rashford. Obviously, Rashford's with a massive question mark over it, but he scored nonetheless. I would imagine out of most people's teams, they may have one of those lads. So that was probably the reason why everyone, probably yourself included, had a bit of a shit week. I've got Vardy, <laughs> I think. Yeah, <laughs> You've got Aguero. Yep, I've got Aguero, Callum Wilson, and Connolly. So, yeah, as I mentioned, brought Callum Wilson, um, and Aguero broke someone else's car. <laughs> so I can't even take the blame for that one. But, yeah, yeah, you, this is, it's a very interesting point. Um, because, where is Aguero? I think Aguero's the second highest point scorer in the game behind De Bruyne, which makes all the sense. But at the same time, if he's having seemingly problems off the pitch, I mean, if you've been in a car crash and then Jesus plays the game after, it kind of means something because Aguero wasn't on international duty, whereas Jesus was. I know Pep's a freak and make random as hell decisions. It tends to work for him, unless De Bruyne is injured this season. Um, but obviously they play Atalanta Tonight, was it? I think it's tonight. Away recording yeah. on a Tuesday, which yeah. should add. <clears throat> yeah, they play tonight at home. So you would, you could see Aguero back in. You could see Jesus start, I think. Maybe if Jesus starts, that might give you an inkling as to he may go back to Aguero at the weekend. Mm. 
and they are at home, and Aguero loves a home goal in the league, that is, as well. Yeah, he, he absolutely does. He absolutely does. It's just a tough one with Man City. I think we've had this problem before. Like, Sterling and De Bruyne are probably, apart from when it's an injury risk, quite safe from rotation, but that that's caused the problems this season already. But when in the past, when people have had, like, Sane, Aguero, Jesus, Mares this season... It's just a bit of a, it's just a bit of a twat managing. Well, not managing, but trying to figure out what Pep's thinking. I don't think anyone bloody can, um, which is a real struggle. But I, if if you were in my shoes, well, you're in a similar situation with Aubameyang, as, as you mentioned. But he's he's the he's like the safest of safe positions. Um, what what would you do if if you had Aguero? I would probably stick for this week. And then judge on where you probably go from there because Man City's next two fixtures in the league are both at home, Aston Villa and Southampton. So if Aguero's going to rack up some big points, I would imagine they're two pretty handy fixtures that he might do it in, mm-hmm. especially being at home. And then obviously they travel to Anfield. Um, and I don't want to say the words, but... Yeah, I, I, I know what you're going to say. I know where we're going. Um <laughs> So I'm not going to say it, but Aguero, yeah, I feel yeah. Um, so I I think likewise with Aubameyang for myself being two home fixtures, I would probably stick and see these two fixtures through because he's he's going to play in one of them at least. Um, I think you might get more as we say from tonight's Champions League lineup mm-hmm. as to a clue of where Pep might be thinking, but. As you say, you can't second guess that board nonce. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I got to fit it in for Carrie Kane, ruining my fan tracks week. Not not FPL, but he's running. He's ruining the thing I'm actually good at FPL wise or fantasy wise, which is great. Um, can't even trade him to Stu because he hates him. Um, if Stu's listening, hello. Uh, oh, s- side note: I won a game on fan tracks this week. Good man. Good man. I don't know who against, but I won a game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I won. Oh dear, oh dear! I need to start covering fan tracks to make me sound like less of a tit. <laughs> oh dear! And Stu, accept my trade, you bastard! I want to get rid of Kate. Um, I've lost track. Of where are we? Who? Who else? What other strikers in the Premier League were shit? I mean, what have we got? We've covered Obama, Yang, Aguero, Firmino. If we count him, he. Well, what's your thought? We're obviously going to talk or touch on the Man United game, but Firmino, he was player of the month for August, and then probably since the Napoli game, he's been a bit shit. Yeah. Um, is well, what's it, let's have a quick look. His points over the last few weeks, he's he's hit two, two, two in his last three games. Um. That was after a nice little run of 12, nine, 12 8 and 9. Um, in terms of fantasy, he's not a player that I like to have because mm. he he doesn't score enough. He scores in, in spells, but he doesn't score enough and he creates, but sometimes his creation, as we saw at the weekend, is in terms of a run, which obviously you don't get points for. Um, but he tends to do a lot of work off the ball, which we as fans appreciate, but FPL doesn't give you points for that. That's why I don't have him. 
Um, in reality, he was pretty anonymous on Sunday. His touch was awful. Um, I, I think it was mentioned throughout the game by Carragher and Neville a couple of times. Like Liverpool seem to have this mental block with Old Trafford, like Everton do with Anfield, and we play the occasion and not the actual game itself. Um, and I think that could probably be said for the likes of Firmino, who's only scored once in 11 games against United, whether it's because it's such a big game worldwide and the prestige around it, it's sort of like the, the classical of England, if you would. Um, whether it just becomes something that gets into his head where he, he gets too emotionally involved and gets lost and just doesn't let things come naturally. Um, but then a lot of our players had what you would call off days, um, which you which is a surprise, but you know, we, we get out of there with the points which before the game we, we wouldn't have been happy with, but after the game given what went on and the way the game panned out and the decisions that took place, then we take a point and we move on and we, we get back home this weekend and I think we, we'll probably see a totally different team in terms of the way they play on the field against Spurs than what we did last Sunday at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the game itself was bloody horrendous, but getting a draw, I think you perfectly put that there. Before the game, it would have uh, would have been distraught with it. I'm, I still am, but in context, you think, okay, we got away with one there against a team who's had their probably their second best performance of the season, uh, tried the hearts out, and had like one shot on target. So, you know, it's probably a game we should have won, but ultimately we escaped one there, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's a lesser. Hopefully, is the, hopefully, we don't do anything stupid tomorrow and we can forget about the Manchester United game. Um, but kind of not in the uh, premium striker market, but the, the market below. I mean, we've mentioned Callum Wilson. You have Vardy, who was obviously one of the ones who actually did something. Um, Tammy Abraham as well. Rashford actually did score, but he's been pretty dire most of the season. Um, it, was it just a bad game week, or is this almost proof that the value is outside of the strikers? Because you mentioned Pookie there, who previous um, who completely disappeared into thin air. Harry Kane is nowhere near worth his value, and seemingly the only ones that have or maintaining value or improving value at the men seem to be Aguero, Bamiyang, Abraham and Vardy and possibly Callum Wilson. I think he's only, I think he's had two game blanks um, in the last two, unfortunately, but um, there's not many that I'd think currently in form. Not really. Um, I've got the striker list in front of me now and in terms of the value, obviously you go down through the list and then no one really stands out. Even like when you get to the, Eight million and below region. Like Abraham has been a star throughout the season, but Haller, occasional games now and then. Jimenez is starting to slowly get going, but maybe Wolves are starting to get going as well. So that might be one to keep an eye on. Uh, Puki seems to have fell off a cliff. Uh, who else have we got here? Giroud, Batshuayi from Chelsea don't play. Keane not getting a look at Everton. Uh, Ashley Barnes injured. Chris Wood seems to have picked up a little bit of the slack at Burnley, but Burnley at Burnley, you're never going to get hat-tricks out of each other. They take turns scoring as well. Yeah, Wesley fits and starts. 
Delifeu done nothing. Jota being injured, and then you sort of like scratching around for maybe Ings has got a few points here and yeah. there. There's really there's not a lot of quality when when you actually look down through the FPL because some players as we as, as we know ourselves we've got Mane and Salah who are registered as midfielders so in the actual forwards departments there's not a lot of actual quality there if the big boys don't really do anything the top six or seven strikers then there's not a lot there which may raise the question do you do you go for the the idea that you've got where you you pack your midfield with five and just have two decent point scorers up top in in theory and hope that your midfield have, have bulked out and got plenty of points? I think I, I probably think that's a safest bet at the minute. I mean, obviously, I'm kind of trapped with Aguero at the minute because I know if I drop him, he's definitely scoring eight goals. <laughs> um, but I es- think, especially with those two. Oh god, I. Oh god, I. Um, so it's kind of a tough pickle for me there, but I think I certainly think the more consistent scoring is probably in the midfield, and it's probably strange saying I have Salah, who's mixed form uh, this season. Obviously, missed the last game with injury and has not had a score above five since the Newcastle game, which is fern. Um, he was training today. I don't know if you've seen or not. He, he made full training. Um, ah, good. And is is rumoured to be travelling to Genk, but I think that's purely just to keep him with the squad and training. But mm. I would hope he doesn't feature tomorrow. I think we should have enough to get past Genk without Salah. Yeah, we should do. We should and do. That would then give him from the knock he got. I think it would then be three, four weeks until he plays again mm. in Spurs. So yeah, in fairly, he needed a rest, judging by. Just watching him with the naked eye, he looked like he needed a rest. So it might have been a blessing in disguise. And I'm probably going to sell him just to try and breathe some life back into him. The poor, the poor bugger. <laughs> um, I might go to Mane just to test the theory. I've got Mane. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure you just scout my team and then go. I don't. Who can who can I ruin? <laughs> I might keep Salah for the Tottenham game because he loves it, but if he doesn't score against Tottenham, I have to break someone else. Okay. Make a deal of that. I don't know where no. else I'll go. Pro- we'll oh, no, we'll, we'll st- accept it for one more week. Yeah, I've still got Otamendi to fuck off, so I think Salah's safe for another week. But you know me, I love to ruin my team with a minus, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the striker options seem seemingly strange. Um, it, it's a tough balancing act. Really, um, what else do we want to talk? Well, Man Man City's always a talking about. I brought up Otamendi there, obviously against Crystal Palace in Crystal Palace, which is obviously Crystal Palace seemingly the opposite way around. They're, they're better away from home. Um, but Man City went there with a makeshift defence, playing two midfielders. Mendy's somewhat back in rotation as well. Uh, Cancelo actually played. I think that's more down to Walker being injured than. Um, Shit. <laughs> um, but you could probably make an argument for both. Um, but they seemingly did improve defensively. I know Edison made a couple good saves, but that was probably always going to happen because that's probably their Achilles heel of dealing with people physically. Uh, just lucky that it was Ben Teke rather than a good striker. But um, 
does that breathe any more confidence in Man City's team? Because it's a strange one because obviously you can't have Fernandinho or Rodri registers as a defender, but would that make you more interested in in a Mendy, in a in a Walker? Uh, not at the price they are. Um, Walker's six, Mendy's 5.9. Mm. Um, Mendy's only racked up seven points a season, Walker 21. Uh, Otto Mendy's 26. I think a lot of people were on Zinchenko early on because of the yep. Mendy injury, but not not at the price value that they are. Um, it, I mean, they're interesting to watch as a as a fan point, especially Liverpool. Um, it'll be interesting who they line up with in the Champions League fixture tonight. Will they try something in terms of trying to get someone in there and give them a bit of experience because they should probably wipe the floor with Atalanta. Um, and then at the weekend they've got Villa um, if they line up with the same idea of Rodri and Fernandinho but then does that leave them exposed in the middle because I, mm, I, I Aston Villa have one of on paper at least they probably have one of the best not best but one of the better midfielders outside well, we say the top six, we don't know what the top six is anymore, but out of the good teams, probably one of the better midfields outside of that. That's purely because they've got Marvellous Nakambu, isn't it? Well, if you've got a player called Marvellous in your team, I'm going to root for you. <laughs> uh, well, actually, yeah, when when you look at Villa's team, they, they're not a bad side, and they, they did splash the cash in the summer, but they seem to have settled the team in pretty well and I think mm. it's it's the it's the regulars who play each week their midfield is usually Grealish, McGinn, Hurahan. Nakambu. <laughs> Nakambu and then they sort of play around and maybe that Trezeg Mohammed Trezeguet, isn't it? And mm-hmm. Jota was playing early on in the El, season. El Ghazi. El Ghazi. Wesley seems Dav- to be a lock in as well. <clears throat> Doug Douglas Louise plays now and again as well for them. So they seem to have a settled probably 14 or 15 that they, they play with. And they're, they're a weird team because they, they can be really good or they can be really, really shit. And the next two fixtures are probably the acid test of the Premier League, Man City away and then Liverpool at mm. home. So I don't think they've played a... a- a big, big team yet? Have that gone? What I always do that. I always end up talking like fucking Paul Merson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it! No, would they? They've played. Oh dear, they beat Evan at home, which I, I, rel- I said a big. I said a big, big team. Come on, Sp- Spurs. They got beat on the first day of the season. I'm not going to give you Spurs if I'm not giving you Everton. Uh, Arsenal away. They got beat there. Was that at the Emirates? They got beat. Yeah. Three two, but they still got beat nonetheless. Oh yeah, I remember that. I think they um, were winning that game as well and bottled it, if I remember correctly. Out of the well, okay, we'll we'll narrow it down to top ten. Mm. Um, you could put probably Spurs, Arsenal, yeah, Everton, and maybe Burnley, and there they drew at home yeah. to Burnley. Uh, but yeah, they've not really come up against a big boy. Um. And then actually after they played Liverpool, they got Wolves away, which is a local derby for them. Um, so they probably, these next three fi- fixtures, 
if you've got a Villa player, might be worth maybe benching them because I don't think they'll get much change out of, especially Man City and Liverpool, in terms of maybe goals. And if they've got Heaton, who I did have, mm-hmm. uh, maybe sell him because I think he's about to concede a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably think so. Because um, I think I think defensively, they're seemingly improving, but they always seem to let slip in that goal. I mean, they... I think Norwich was obviously Norwich were a bit screwed injury wise, but they still let a goal slip in um, due to Mings. I have I have the um, Tyron Mings. I need to get rid of him actually. Um, but yeah, they seemingly are an improving team. I think they're out, outside of the um, relegation zone now. Um, but whilst we kind of I know um, Villa probably have more ownable assets because Sheffield United are more about the team ethic and stuff like that. But um, this is kind of the podcast where we just talk about general Premier League nowadays um, as well. But uh, Sheffield United beating Arsenal last night. I know Arsenal were horrendous away from home, but I mean, them two teams seemingly look best place to stay up. I know Norwich have a lot of lot of injury problems and may, may improve, but out of the promoted teams, them two seemingly look like they've taken to the Premier League best. Yeah, you could see that. Um, I mean... I would have had last night's game down as a poor draw. Uh, obviously, it was. I didn't watch it, but it finished one 0 Sheffield United. So you wouldn't yeah. say it was maybe the exciting game. Um, but obviously, you know Arsenal had a car crash away from home. Um, but Sheffield United impressed me when Liverpool played them. Um, they really made it tough for us, and that was the week after they played Everton and beat Everton. And a few, like few of my friends at Evertonians, and they said. They're a surprisingly really good team because they're so organised. Um, and that could just be the key to keep them up this season. They've not made many changes. They brought in a few players, but I think the ones they brought in, like McBurney, um don't know who else they brought, but I know McBurney was bought. They're, they're probably hard work and give it all for 90 minutes and it's all about the team effort. And that might just be enough to to keep them up. I mean, we'll probably find out more about the likes of Norwich, Villa and Sheffield United over the Christmas period when it starts to get a bit more hectic. But they've come out of the Championship, which is two games a week, pretty much every week the whole season. So you you sort of, you're bred with the idea of you're going to be playing back-to-back. Um, and probably the the player who's probably secretly most owned by most players uh, is what's it John Lundstrom yeah he, yeah he's yeah, yeah. got just had a quick look on Sheffield it's nice to see a team he's owned by 32.7% of players <laughs> right and then the next highest owner is Henderson the goalkeeper at 4.1 and then Stearman is 2.6 and not one other player in their squad is owned by more than 1%. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so so that tells you quite a lot. And you've got like Ender Stevens has got 39 points, O'Connell 37 points, Bordock 36 points, Egan 35 points, Basham 33 points. Like These are all owned by less than 1% of players. If you're looking for a small 
priced defender you could probably have on your bench if if you're trying to bulk up your midfield, then I don't think you could go far wrong with Sheffield United. And Lundstrom's the, next... the highest point scoring defender. <laughs> is that he's just above Trent now, isn't he? Uh, Trent and Pereira on forty-two. He's on forty-five. But he doesn't play as a defender. He's registered as a defender. He's yeah, one of these he's a players. He yeah. plays in midfield. But even the next few fixtures, they've got West Ham away this weekend, which. You know, they, by all means, given the performance, they could go there and conceivably get something. And then this is one that you want to mark in your diary. Sheffield United at home to Burnley. If that's I, not, if that's either going to be nil-nil or about a five-all, there is if, no middle ground in that one. If that's not Super Sunday, I am very disappointed. I would genuinely watch that with intrigue. Uh, it's a Saturday three o'clock. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> but Liverpool are away at Villa at three o'clock. So we're going to be watching Liverpool, obviously, legally. Obviously, legally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is a game to be watching if you like high, long ball football. I do hope it's windy and raining that day as well. Must be. Like, yeah. Even if it was the middle of July, it would be. Just attracted him. <laughs> mm. Whether say it was, it's at Sheffield as well, which I think their grounds up on a hill, which shows Burnley's, but that makes no odds. And then they go to Tottenham, and now easy win. <laughs> no, mm. no, I shouldn't have said that. We're playing them. No, no, that'd that's be a, hard. That's a good segue into probably looking at Spurs being yeah. Spurs and your regular line. Fuck Harry Kane. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they are in a whole heap of crap. But I know they're obviously shit at the minute. They're still seventh in the league. People are screwing up more than Spurs, which is bad. But does they, that say more about our league? It, it really <laughs> does. It like it, it really does. Like Man United are fourteenth and Spurs are seventh. So they're fucked up more than Spurs. They're prob- no, they probably spent around the same money, if not Spurs spent more, so it's not an excuse I can beat Man United with. But yeah, Spurs are seemingly imploding at the seams because it, it they started off the season okay, but it's getting worse and worse every game. Um, mm. Like... I mean, Harry Kane still continues to be a problem. Whether it, whether it's Harry Kane, he's not the same player he was two years ago, or Pochettino's trying to change up tactics and protect Harry Kane or somewhat because I know he's had injury problems. But it's de- he's definitely not the same he was two years ago. Deli Ali, I don't know what they're doing with him. He went, he went from being a, a class goal scorer. Now they're trying to change him to a midfielder. Vertonghen slept with Ericsson's wife, supposedly. I know, I know it's not real, but <laughs> in situa- in situations, yes, let's pretend it's real. But in situations like that, you got to pretend it's real because it's funny. Um, but they just they seemingly just change. Like um, I, I covered this with uh, Carl because I had to whole scouted. If if people are subscribers here, um, if you want to listen to that more of me, hello. <laughs> uh, but we covered that. But whilst we're here. I mean, Tottenham are just—they're on a downward spiral, like—and I don't—I don't see where they can fix it because only one of the new signings is playing. That's Ndombele, 
and he's now getting dropped for uh, Musa Sissoko. That is not Ooh. good. Like, I know players need a settling-in period, but if you've spent 50, 60 million on a midfielder and you're still playing Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko over him, what? What? He's shit. Please bring them to Anfield on Sunday with them two in midfield. That would be an absolute dream. And I'd love to see Fabinho just arse smash Harry Winks like he did to poor Daniel James the other day. After he'd already <laughs> taken one off Van Dijk, which was lovely. You don't dive in front of Fabinho, he will get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. He thought, oh, oh, so you, you thought you could play smart with Van Dijk? I'll get you. <laughs> I'll get you. And I'll bloody your nose while I'm there. Uh, but just just look at a Spurs squad, and on paper the names are there. But I mean, it, it just looks like a list of names. Actually, like that, I couldn't tell you who is going to start for them on Sunday against not, us because you you could probably predict nine or ten of Liverpool's lineup. Mm. The question marks are probably over the two spaces next to Fabinho midfield, but you. You're probably only looking at Harry Kane. And, Gaz- and, and Gazaniga at the minute. <laughs> and yeah. That's about that, it. And you would literally, you, you draw them balls and names out of a hat of who else is going to play because you actually would not know. And I, I don't see where it's going to change for them because they've got us away this week and then they've got Everton away the week after, which can be a tricky fixture. And mm. Goodison Park on, I think that's an evening game as well. Uh, let me just double check that one quickly for you. Uh, yeah, that's the following Sunday at half four under the lights at Goodison Park. It's, it can become a little bit feisty. And if Everton managed to pick up a result this weekend away at Brighton, two wins out of two, the the Blue Noses love a little bit of a confidence boost. They, they'll be they'll be flying if they win those two games. Um, and then Sheffield United go to Spurs, which is, as we've just said, a potential banana skin on paper. But the way Sheffield United are playing, it would not be a surprise if they went there and beat them. Even after that, they've got West Ham away, who are West Hamming at the minute. But if they become not West Ham, they can go back to being a good football team. Bournemouth and score goals. It's a derby. That one. Yeah, yeah, as well. I, I always forget about London derbies. It's too, I literally remember the North London derby. That's about it. Um, and I know we're getting a bit too far in the future, but then they've got Man United away, which is going to be funny. Mm. <laughs> um, and then Burn- Burnley at home, which is similar to Sheffield United, you'd probably say. So it's not, albeit on, the web, on this website, they've got three greens and two white fixtures. That for me, that that's quite a difficult run, especially when you be in that shit. Yeah, and you've got to mix in the fact they've got Champions League around that. Mm, they'll have to go to um, yeah. Serbia as well. Yeah, they've got Red Star at home this week, and then they go mm-hmm. to Serbia in two weeks. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure on their Champions League position, but they did lose, I think, in the last game week. They. By and by, battered them in the Drew with Olympiacos in the first game week. So, yeah, as it stands, they're bottom of their group yeah. on, with Olympiacos, but the, the goal difference is minus five. Mm. Um, 
obviously Olympiacos are on one, Red Star are on three, Bayern are on six. So Bayern conceivably could qualify if they beat Olympiacos over these next two games, home and away. And if Red Star can hold out at Spurs, or even if they get beat, but then beat them back in Belgrade like they did to us, then the gap will still be a couple of points between those and Spurs. So it doesn't exactly look straightforward for them. So they're probably going to have to play all the way right into December in the Champions League to try and qualify from that group. Yeah, absolutely. And as we saw last season, I mean, I think we tonked um, Red Star at Anfield. But in Serbia, a team like us who will be more used to playing in a hostile environment, we literally, we turned sheepish and, and bottled bottle that game in proper, um, well, we let the atmosphere get to us in, in, in Serbia. And you'd probably think Spurs would do the same because they're struggling. Um, and as, as we know, Serbia is a scary place, especially when you go into a stadium that looks like it is a prison. <laughs> um you would not choose to go there if no. someone offered you. <laughs> no. I mean, it'd be interesting to go there, but I would not want to be an opposition fan going there. Uh, it, it might be nice to go on, you know, a day trip when there's no football on, just yeah. to have a look around the cell. I mean, the ground. Yeah, yeah. The, the big cell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, is, this is where we keep the prisoners. 11 aside, yes. usually. Just mean, it's where Mean Machine was filmed. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> But yeah, it's it. It's I think it's coming becoming a common theme on this podcast is the wars that Spurs had simply continuing because it was Watford this week who haven't won yet. And let's be honest, I'm not sure if you've seen the highlights. Spurs got extremely lucky; should have given away another penalty, and Deli Ali's goal probably should have been disallowed, and actually was then not, and then was and then not. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen. Match of the day, and people who are listening may or may not have seen match of the day. I think it was Alan Shearer and Danny Murphy, hardly the pinnacle of TV's punditry, but the slappers. Yeah, Alan Shearer said the question was what's him? Is it handball? No, no, it's it's isn't by the 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 badge on the arm. The badge <laughs> is on the arm. I, you've just said it's him on the badge, which is on the sleeve on the arm of his shirt which is handball. But no, no, it's not handball. Okay, Alan, you go you go back to that little dark corner that you belong in because clearly punditry is not for you. Um, and then, I mean, I had a bit of a Twitter rant because I was watching my today thinking, VAR have got this one wrong, they've got that one wrong. And then every game that was going on, it was like, they're doing better and better than getting them wrong. Like, I couldn't believe that the penalty wasn't given because it was so blatant that mm. it was a foul. He had three nibbles on him. And then, all right, the referee didn't see it. He's not the greatest ref in the world. But surely the idea of VAR is to give the referee another look or give him the backup that he didn't see it from his angle. Therefore, we've had a look. And, yep, it was a pen. Give it. But it just... I don't know if they want it to fail on purpose so they can yeah. bin it off or whether there's just actual incompetent children playing around in the control room looking at these monitors because the decisions this weekend, it wasn't it wasn't one. There was, I think, about six or seven clear wrong decisions. And 
Yeah. We we could delve into the Liverpool game, but we're not going to. But... Martin Atkinson is bad. Summed up, there you go. Well, you, you when the... <laughs> I think it was someone put the, the stat out, we didn't get... Or there wasn't a foul given against United between like the 22nd and 70th minute. And we had 70-odd percent possession. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. That You just rest your case there. There is no more to be said. And if they're it, not getting a foul against them no. in 50 minutes of football. And we, and I think he's refed our last four games we've dropped points in or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I mean... you. You don't want to sound like a whinge and moaner because we've dropped points for the first time in 18 games or something, but there's dropping points and there's points being robbed off you, and they were robbed off us by poor officiating on mm. the field and off the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the VR, VR thing, it is almost getting to the point where you are thinking they are trying to self-sabotage it, because how, how can a ref be that bad? where he's just looking at a replay. Like, fair enough, if we take the bias out of it, the Origi one, it's the shittest foul ever. He's obviously gone down very softly, but it is a foul regardless. That Delafeu penalty is the stone wall, of, it's the stone walliest wall of penalties I've ever seen. It should be like he, three penalties in one and he's not give it. It's just... He lifts his foot and then angles it into a, a hook, you could say. And hooks his leg. And <laughs> you sat there going, okay, the refs missed it because of the angle. You can maybe forgive him because he was 18 yards away. He's looking at it from behind. Is Delhi Fayou trying to buy one because he's got he- history of going down pretty easily, we could say. But then on the monitor, it was as clear as day. And uh, I, I, I'm lost with it. But I, I genuinely think they're out there now just to, to not let it work, yeah. so they can go at the end of the season. Actually, it's not worked. We're going to go back to just letting them shit heads in black make whatever decision they want. You you obviously go to the the game a, a fucking lot more than I do. Um, is it is it even is the problem even more compounded in the stadium? Because seemingly that's one of the biggest criticisms. The fact well, the fact that it's shit is probably the biggest criticism, but one of the biggest criticisms. Is that when you're in the stadium, you you just completely left to your own devices and have fucking no idea what's going on? Yeah, and it doesn't help that first of all, Anfield doesn't have a screen. Not that they're showing on the screen anyway, but it doesn't have a screen. They've got the scoreboard monitors, which can tell you there has been a VAR check or George Sefton, the stadium mm. announcer, who's probably about eight hundred at this point. Um. He will tell you like twenty five minutes after it's happened. Oh, there was a VAR check then. Uh, he's hardly, you know, he's he's not on the ball. God bless him. Um, but it becomes a weird uh, atmosphere sort of feeling because with the Leicester one a couple of weeks ago, like obviously I was at the Anfield Road end where the penalty was given. Did not have a clue what the penalty was given for. I thought. Was it given for the Rigi breaking into the box because he sort of got challenged with a high foot? Mane went down and obviously you sort of screaming because it was the last kicks of the game. And then you go to a VAR check and everyone's like looking at each other. What's going, what's, what's the check for? What's going on? Who who are they checking? What's it for? 
and then people are trying to scramble around on phones, the signal and on field terrible anyway. So you can't get the half time scores up sometimes. So you're not gonna get any information from anybody. And then you might go to the VAR check for the penalty. Okay, what for? And then we still don't know. And then the players are all scratching their heads. It's all it's a really weird, weird place to be because no one knows what's going on. And then obviously it's given. And then the jubilation, obviously, in the penalty situation, you're given a penalty, and then you've got the whole penalty rigmarole. But in the situation of scoring a goal, and then you're celebrating and going wild, and then you sort of compose yourself and go, oh, there's a bit of archer. You, it just takes all the, the fun out of the game, because if it was done... I think it can be done within the, the time of a celebration taking place. If a player scores, runs off to the corner flag, slides on his knees, or the, the team come and celebrate around them. I think the check can be done within that 30, 40 seconds of what the team is celebrating and clearly say, unless it's something really, really tight, whether the goal should stand or not. But it then seems to be, let the boys celebrate. Teams line up, then the ref will stop you, and then we've got two minutes of scratching our heads it just seems far too slow now whether they're doing it on purpose or whether it's just incompetency or the fact that they don't even know what they're checking for because different games seem to be checking for different things and different things let go and different things get given it's it's a bizarre thing to have I I thought it might it might make football better but it's certainly it's killing the game now and it, it's raising more questions than answers in the past few weeks of the decisions that have been given anyway, especially mm. in in Liverpool games. Like the penalty, I as a Liverpool fan with Mane, it's contact, he went down. He's entitled to it. If it's given against you, you're absolutely outraged and oh, livid. But the situation on Sunday where They've let the play go because it was, I think Atkinson said, I've let it go because VAR are going to check it because mm. he wasn't sure. But then for me, there wasn't one foul on Abiki, there was two. He kicked his shin and then as he's planted the foot that he kicked his shin with, he's knocked into Abiki's standing leg and that is the one that he goes down holding the wall. Opposition fans have been out there. He, he kicked his left leg when he went down holding his right. He kicked his left leg on his shin pad and he went down holding his right leg because that was a standing leg and Lindelof's knee has gone into his calf. So he's probably felt more of a nervous pain because that's where yeah. you, it, in your body, there's more nerve fibers around the back of your knee than they are on your shin pads. Um, so, yeah, he's gone down. But then, like the handball with Manny. It's handball. You can't argue. Like, obviously, there's the difference between attackers and defenders, but it is as and okay, that that's cancelled. We can live with that. But when it's a clear foul and the ref let it go, and then asks VAR, and then VAR go, mm, it wasn't clear and obvious, and we don't know. So what what do you want to do? And we'll just leave it. So it, it's it's a it's becoming a farce, and I think they they want it to fail so they can get rid of it. Personally, mm. I think they are. Well, I think European. We obviously were late to VAR, so we have a we had a um, disliking of it 
by we, I mean the Premier League. I don't know why I'm saying we, but <laughs> I'm going to continue with this. Uh, the Premier League was obviously late to VAR um, and seemingly didn't want it until it was fine-tuned. And then all of a sudden they make their own inter- interpretation of VAR. I, I, it just baffles the mind, really. But anyway, I'm sure there's been plenty of podcasts on VAR. and don't want to continue with it. Um, so before we get into transfers and stuff, there was... One criticism, I think it was Jose Mourinho who brought it up on the Sunday coverage, about Liverpool struggling against mid-table teams, which isn't true anymore, but uh, it seemingly is against uh, Manchester United. But if we kind of change this point into a a question about the midfield, I mean, this kind of does impact fantasy more than the VAR stuff, because if we do start playing our attacking midfielders, like... Ox probably more so. Even if Milner got a run in the game, he has, he has decent attacking output. And 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 Kater, is this is this now the time where you think Klopp is finally ready to pull the trigger on a couple of our these attacking midfielders? You'd like to think so. Um, I mean, we all know my opinions on the the Liverpool captain and my dislike, but I I think it's telling in any way, shape or form, whatever way you look at it. He's been the player that's been taken off in our last four games when the game has been in the in the question, really. Sheffield United, um, Salzburg, I think it was Chelsea and United. We weren't winning at any point in those games, apart from the Salzburg game, but we were losing the, the grip of the game. He was the one who was taken off and the formation changed, we sort of mixed it up a little bit. Um, I think he's probably the one whose position is a threat the most. And it's about time we did see the likes of Ox and Chamberlain, uh, Ox and Keita, sorry, um, mix it up a little bit. And it would be nice if Shakiri can get fit and stay fit and give him a run in the team. But looking at their value places, 6.3 Shakiri, 6.2 Chamberlain, Cater 5.8. Um, the Lord saved himself, Adam Lallana 5.8, but uh, he's, he's selected by 0.1% of players, so I don't think... <laughs> that's just Lallana. No, that's just, that's just Klopp, really. <laughs> I don't think many people are going to be jumping on the bandwagon of Adam Lallana, but, you know, you never know. Um, I think it. we need to change something because... With the midfield three of Fabinho, Henderson, and Wijnaldum become too predictable. Mm. Well, um, and we missed Sour at the weekend. Obviously, we've said he's a bit hit and miss at the moment, but we did miss him. He's yeah. Origi is not Salah, but Origi is better off the bench, as probably most Liverpool fans would would back up that, unless he's playing against Barcelona, of course. But um, and Everton. He come off the bench. Ah, uh, he has he has history though. Well yeah. Um but I think we do need to mix it up and the I think Sai put out a tweet earlier today saying we've got something ridiculous like eighteen games in or twenty games in the next like twelve, thirteen weeks or something like that with a rest period of three days where we've got what he would deem, obviously, a day after the game recovery, a day before the game as pre-match prep. Um, so 
we've got to rotate. We've got no other option. Um, and it's an opportunity for the likes of Chamberlain and Keita to really step up. And at at the prices that they are, if if one of them gets into the team, you'd like to think that they keep the place. And at what they got here, no point three people own Chamberlain and no point two on Keita. So if you see maybe one of those lined up against Spurs, have a good performance the week after we've got Villa after playing Arsenal midweek in the League Cup. So that might be an opportunity where you might look to get one of those lads in and maybe score a few points on other people that they haven't got. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think the midfield, I know it's it's weird saying a weak spot in a team that we've only dropped two points this season, but I think the performances have have kind of shown up that we do need to tweak the midfield cost. I think teams are starting to... Well, if you use Man United's example, if you just play eight at the back and have your full-backs really push high on our, on our full-backs, or, or their wing-backs, I should say, on our full-backs, it, 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 can, it can limit us. Um, especially when, like... People obviously there's there's so many arguments about Henderson, but I think undoubtedly he's in poor form. That doesn't help. Ginny is Ginny. Half the games he's non-existent. Half he's good, in, and then all of a sudden he's non-existent and he's subbing off like Man United. This is a very strange thing. And almost we've got Fabinho playing as like almost a one-man midfield at times in in games. It's uh, it, something needs to change. But uh, anyway, we'll move on. Um, we're nearly out an hour now, so we'll get into the transfers um you said you might be thinking about saving them but you've obviously just off the back of a wild card is there anyone that you may have a couple of doubts over um alexander arnold's got a yellow triangle but i think that was based on he's not trained today he's missing genk game that's been confirmed he's missing it yeah he has a virus i think Okay, well, I don't mind that because he could probably do the rest. Um, Absolutely. And but on Tuesday we play Sunday. If he's got a little cold, he he should be okay by Sunday. So that will be fine. Um, I don't think I'm going to change because as a pre-pod to yourself, uh, I've got Montoya from Brighton who play Everton, which we don't know what's going to come of that game. Uh, depends which Everton team turn up. Um, and Conley, because I took your advice, and hopefully he gets a nice couple of goals against Everton, which would make everyone happy. But then I think they've got one more nice fixture after that. Um, let's have a quick gander. Norwich at home, and then Brighton's fixtures take a, a real turn for the worst. They play United, Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Wolves all back-to-back. So I would imagine that's maybe when it's the time to cash in on your Brighton players. So I think I'm going to save this week in terms of a transfer, keep two in the bank, and then maybe I could look to juggle something round and probably remove one of them Brighton players one week and then maybe swap somewhere else and free up a little bit more cash and probably move on from Conley into a more mid-ranged like six or seven million price mm-hmm. striker, but then at the same time, I'm thinking long term as we've said with Abamyang and Aguero. It's probably give these two games at home in there 
fever and see how they go. And if they're not performing in those two games, obviously we both got them as separate players. Um, I think that's when I might obviously change and maybe go a bit more balanced in terms of a front line into having more seven to nine million pound strikers than having one luxury high end and then sort of Vardy at nine million and having to scrimp around for a cheap one. Yeah, I'm thinking similar. As soon as Aguero's had those good fixtures, I might uh, revamp that. Or I might even just wait for the second wild card, which I'll probably wear straight away. <laughs> um, in terms of transfer dilemmas for me, um, I'm going to bin off an Otamendi because he can't even get a game when they have no centre-backs and he's possibly injured. I'm thinking Willy Bolly because Wolves have decent fixtures. They're seemingly improving. I think they're undefeated in four. I can't afford Matt Doherty, um, albeit he's had a couple injury problems and he's dealing with Adama Traore being the best player in the world at the minute. Um, so I've, I've gone, I think I'm going to go for Bolly, which gives me an extra 0.5, which I can reinvest in other places as well. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, other question marks, Salah, but Tottenham, so I'll keep him for that game. And if not, I might think about moving off Salah. And then, as 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 we keep mentioning, I think I might revamp the uh, the forward line eventually. Um, but we'll see with Aguero um, if he if he does well in these next two, but he might become undroppable again. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, live transfer with Guy Otamendi out, Bolly in. Have you done that by the way? Have you I, just done it? Nearly. I'm on the make transfer clicky thing. Mm, could maybe be tempted by Tamori at four point seven. Chelsea, he's, he's playing um, just to free up some cash. They've got Burnley away this week, which will be a test. Then Watford away, uh, Palace at home. And then they go to the Etihad, but then again, they've got a little nice run of fixtures. Two of them at home, West Ham and Villa. Hmm. 4.7. It He's not massively point scored, and he's got 24. But Chelsea did keep a clean sheet again this weekend at home against Newcastle will be that, that is but Newcastle. that's <laughs> it's, only, it's only the second one of the season but maybe the source of starting to get a bit more of a balanced team I think the fact the thing with Chelsea is I, I still don't think they're all that good defensively I think Kep has still got Pringle wrists this week or this season <laughs> um and defence, I think tomorrow he's seemingly the one consistent, but I, I think it was Zuma at the weekend. I think Christiansen's coming back from injury. Rudiger's coming back from injury. The full-backs always chop and change at the minute. I think, well, apart from Aspilquet as the consistent, but I think once Emerson's back, they might chop and change again. If Kante was fit every week, I'd probably be more confident in them, but he's seemingly gone for his own injury problems at the min. So I, I think I'll go Bolly just for a bit. A bit more, yeah, which is strange going for a Wolves player over a Chelsea player, but that's the times we live in. On your head, be it. Yeah, plus it just means we're in Wolves anyway. Um, So, yeah, if you've got Willy Bolly, he's about to concede 18 goals in the next two games. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to confirm that in, because gut instinct and all that jazz. So if you if if you've got tomorrow, you're welcome when he scores a hat trick. <clears throat> I shall remind you of this at the weekend. By yes, you will. I mean, you're still reminding me about Josh King, and I never had the fucker in my team. <laughs> I know. I, I did offer him. Uh, just... And I'll be keeping a keen eye on Yarmolenko because uh, I think I think you've broken. I have. I really have. But that's 
he shouldn't he shouldn't be playing for West Ham. That's his own fault. <clears throat> right. Um. So that was the transfer segment. We'll obviously if if you are listening to this, this is before the Champions League fixtures. So if any injuries happen or out like that, that's why we haven't covered them, obviously. Um, but as we do, we'll finish with um, Captain Picks. Who are you looking at, Jay? Hmm. I always go a home player for obvious reasons. Um, and three of my players have got home fixtures this week in terms of who I would captain. Being, obviously, we spoke about Aubameyang as our home to Palace. But there's a question mark over his form. Um, De Bruyne at home to Aston Villa but then I would maybe work off as you've just said who Pep plays tonight in the Champions League and should he come through that unscathed or Mane at home obviously we've got Tottenham Mane loves a, a goal at Anfield we we need to bounce back after the weekend so at the moment my gut is saying go for Mane but I've sort of got a little eye on Aubameyang because I think it might be time that he just whacks in a wild one for somebody and goes mad interesting interesting um, Crystal Palace I, it's still strange see I think they're like fifth or sixth at the minute which is really strange the, the weird because yeah. the shit but they're all right <laughs> yeah. away, from, away from home I thought that I tipped them to fucking be relegated <laughs> The fucking going for Europe. It's a very strange situation. But anyway, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to go Aguero after threatening to boot him out. He's either going to blank or get a hat-trick, and I'm here for that. Um, my other pick probably would be Salah, because he always loves a goal against Tottenham. Um, and if pretty much any Man City asset or Salah or Mane, probably the best options this week. Um, looks like I'm going to be playing a 3-5-2 um, going to bring in Yarmolenko for Sheffield United, which he'll probably get one or two points in, which will be great. Um, but yeah, I, I've gone for Aguero. Um, that means Yarmolenko is now staying on my bench as yeah. a first sub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless he has one of them good weeks. Which... Hopefully not. <laughs> but then I am, that means if Yarmolenko is my first sub, I'm going 3 4 3, so I'm banking on Young. Robbie Keane himself, Aaron Conley against Everton. Oh, he's my first bench spot. We, we, oh, one of us is fucked up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this will be interesting. There you go, people see, tune in next week to see who <laughs> fucked up the most. <laughs> but yes, that is the best advert for next week's episode ever. That should be just the tagline for this podcast. But thank you, Jay. We'll finish up there. No worries. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>